Happy Easter. Happy Easter, man. It's great to be here serving with you. And you know what? We've got about 140 over in uh, the 309 room right next door, so a little shout out to them as well. Welcome. Great to have you guys. And uh, just love what God's doing in this place. May we make much of him. And man, you might be here this morning and you're like, uh, all right, it's Easter. I come to church. That's what I do on Easter. And but I'm not quite sure I get what the whole deal is. What, what's the big deal? And uh, I'm not sure I understand what's going on. We are launching a sermon series starting today. We're going to be walking through just taking a look at Christ in the Gospel of John. He introduces himself in a number of different ways. And so we're calling this series The Great I Am. He, he talks about himself. He says, I am... And then he talks about some of those details, and we're going to walk through those over the next eight weeks. So join with us. You don't want to miss out as we walk through saying, Lord, who are you? And uh, for those of you who love big dollar words, um, we're going to be going through the Christology, the study of who Jesus Christ is, but not just some factual thing for our head. Lord, rock my soul with who you are. And all of God's people said... So let's get it started this morning. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 8, starting in verse 48. John 8, starting in verse 48. As we dive into what does it mean to embrace the claim, how do I go after this Jesus biblically? And uh, John 8, 48. Love hearing the pages turn. I'll hang on a sec. John chapter 8, verse 48. First step, first point in how we respond to this Jesus Do not get defensive, accusing or slandering Jesus. Do not get defensive, accusing or slandering Jesus. That's the first step. Be careful. When we start to hear the truth of who he is and what's going on and who we are, one of our typical responses as human beings is to get defensive. And So let's make sure we're not doing that first and foremost. That's the first point. Let's just dive in here and see it described out starting in verse 48. It says, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? Are we right for that? Jesus answered, "Um, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me, yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He is the judge. We'll just hang right there for right now. Notice it starts out, the Jews answered him. And as always, when we jump into a passage, you got to make sure you back up the truck, you find out what kind of context this is lying in. So what are they answering him about? Like, what's the question at hand? What's been going on? And actually, if you look back, uh, there's a number of different spots we can get some detail. But if you go back to like verse 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They're like, dude, I'm not somebody's slave. I'm not in Egypt like Israel used to be. And uh, it's not like it was then. Why are you saying I need to be set free? And there's some more detail that Jesus goes through, but you jump up to like verse 39. And it says again, they answered him, Abraham is our father. He's challenging them that, They aren't of Abraham. And he says, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. They're hearing some hard words. 
This is where you stand with Jesus Christ. This is where you stand with God Almighty. That's what he's saying to them. And they weren't real receptive to those statements and challenges. And so as he's pressing in a little bit on who he is and where their worship lies, and are they even really considered children of Abraham, notice they consider it to come through the bloodline. And he's talking about it coming through the heart as you follow after God Almighty. And uh, so now we jump into verse 48. It says, the Jews answered him. Hey, just so you know, this word answered, this isn't like our word answered. Right? There's a couple different words in the Greek for when you talk to someone. And there's like the word said, where you just speak some words. This is a different kind of word. This is the word that literally means to respond back to judgment. I'm responding to an accusation and I'm trying to lay down where I stand on it. Trying to take a position here. And I'm trying to make clear what's true for me. Right? Okay, that kind of answered. Okay, the Jews answered him. You'll often see this kind of word used when somebody's giving a challenge in Scripture. Okay, the Jews answered him, are we not right? Notice how they've now gone to the question form. Have you ever noticed how when you're talking to someone, you can switch to using a question and it's actually like a little power change moment? You know what I'm talking about? You start to ask the question and all of a sudden they have to answer the question and now who's in charge in the room, right? And so Jesus is asking them questions, and they're like, oh, hang on. We get the little power thing going on. Aren't we right? Notice how they just put it into question form. Aren't we right to say that you're a Samaritan and that you have a demon? Two challenges they put to Christ. Aren't we right that you're a Samaritan? What's the big deal with that word? Okay, so what's going on with the Samaritan statement? Uh, I just put this. Um, First of all, Samaritans, they were considered half Jewish, okay, but then half pagan. They were Jewish descendants originally, and then they started to live and relate and marry and worship like those around them. They would track with those around them, and so it became very much a sort of Jewish experience, but sort of a worldly experience. And the Jews that stayed pure to who God Almighty was were like, we're not a part of that. That Samaritan thing, in fact, they had kind of a rough statement for it where they sort of called them half-breed. You're halfway Jew and you missed the rest and the rest is deeply sinful. The word Samaritan became a derogatory term. Kind of gives you a little insight when Jesus is talking about the good Samaritan, why he did that in that language and talk. He was helping challenge them on, it's not just your bloodline that makes you good. It's really, it's how you go after living your life and who you're following and who is your God. And uh, Samaritan, half Jewish, half pagan, uh, deeply unclean. And uh, it was unthinkable to relate to a Samaritan. So as they said, aren't you a Samaritan? They were really saying, shouldn't we just not be here with you? That's what they were saying. All right. It's a huge, everybody say that's a big deal. Dude, that's a big deal. And, uh, so let's just back the truck up and start over. The Jews answered him, is it ever a wise move to challenge Jesus Christ? Right? And everybody say, that's not a good plan. Dude, that is not a good plan. Here we go with the not good plan. Uh, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you're a half-breed, unclean person worshiping the wrong things, not staying true to who God is, and we shouldn't hang with you? That's what they're saying. Aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan? 
And uh, furthermore, that you have a demon. That, where they get that from, man? That you have a demon. Here's where they get it from. They're like, he's saying things I don't understand. He's losing it. Best explanation I can give. Maybe there's a demon like oppressing him because he does not have it together. He's been saying some pretty goofy things and it's just getting goofier. Not sure this boy's all there. Maybe he has a demon, right? It's an accusation that what he's saying doesn't make any sense to them. They can't logically figure it out and they're not quite sure where they're headed with him. In fact, this is the second time in the Gospel of John recorded where they've accused him of having a demon. Just one chapter earlier in chapter 7, verse 20. He's accused of having a demon there as well. And uh, they were being challenged to understand something they didn't understand at all. And uh, so again, let's accuse him of having something spiritually wrong with him. uh, Jesus, pretty direct. So now it says, Jesus answered. There's that same word. There's a challenge going down, and he's got some response to it. Jesus answered. Um, I'm not sure you could be more clear than this. I do not have a demon. Period, right? Like, that's it. That's all I really need to say about that. Can we please move on, right? Like, no, not that. You ask the question, so you get a pretty quick answer, right? Isn't it true you have a demon? No. There's really not a whole lot of repertoire that has to happen here. There's not this big explanation that needs to take place. He's like, really not going into that. That's crazy. Not me, right? Uh, No, I do not have a demon. And, uh, but, whenever you're talking to Jesus and he says something and then turns it to a but, you need to start listening, right? He says, but I honor my father. Like, you're saying I have a demon? That would be my worship is messed up. But my worship is not messed up. I honor my father. My worship is intact. Your worship? Well, that's a different question. You dishonor me. You dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. Why does he say that phrase? He's like, listen, I'm putting honor to the Father, and I'm worshiping him. You, you're not putting honor towards me at all. Okay, granted, I just told you to try to give me honor. And so let me just follow this up with a pretty clear statement. Uh, I am not trying to bring honor to myself. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. He is the judge. There is one who seeks the glory of Jesus Christ, God the Father. There is one who seeks the glory of Jesus Christ in this world. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they are bringing on full display who Christ is. Get this, Jesus Christ comes in all humility. Total sacrifice. And he lets the Father handle the rest. Man, if there's a model for how to live life, that's what it is. May we grasp who Jesus Christ is. May we grasp how he lives. Lord, teach me to live like you, humble, not trying to be for my own glory, not trying to get my name out in lights, just the truth of who you are and honoring my father along the way and he'll handle the rest, whatever he does. 
And all of God's people said, yeah. So those of us who walk into a room and whenever you hear a conversation going on and the conversation is like, oh, another opportunity for me to say something about me, right? We set those down and just say, Lord, may I be a better listener, a more caring person, humble along the way. May I grasp who you are. May I grasp who you are, the humble God of the universe, him for me. And uh, All right. Jesus, some pretty stiff accusation comes down, and uh, he's got some pretty clear answer. There is one who's going to honor me. He is the judge. God the Father stands in charge of all. And uh, may we grasp that, that God is in charge of this universe, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working together to make clear what's going on. Jesus, through his absolute humility and sacrifice, the Father through the declaration of who Christ is. Remember, he says, behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And we see John 14 through 16 where the spirit literally is glorifying Jesus Christ, pointing to him. Man, we better grasp that God is all about making much of Christ, but God the son, he's not gonna be the one doing that. He just teaches along the way and he steps out of the way. Humility. And uh, when we hear words like this, it's easy to get pretty defensive. May we be careful in how we respond to who our God is and what he's challenging us with. Right. So this past weekend was a big weekend in our, in our home. Um, we actually had Good Friday service here, which was phenomenal. We had two services, just a great celebration time as we reflected on what Christ has done for us, a huge time of just reflecting deep on the sacrifice at the cross and and we came home from that. We watched The Passion as a family. And then the next day was uh, our anniversary. 22 years of marriage on Saturday, yesterday. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Those applause are for you for putting up with me. 22 years of marriage. And uh, so we decided to retake our vows. We retake our vows uh, each year as a tradition. We've done that um, one time yesterday. Fair, right? John was like, we should start retaking our vows. And uh, the kids were like, really? How come? And we're like, I don't, I don't know, because mom said so, and so we're going to. <laughs> and so we're retaking vows. And uh, so we retook our vows, and, and uh, Megan, our older daughter, was the officiant as she read the vows, and we quoted them off to each other and uh, just kind of recommitted this year of marriage to one another and to the Lord that he might be honored. And, and uh, marriage... 22 years in, and uh, we're still learning, and uh, still growing, and uh, still figuring out how to talk with each other, and how to not get into a fight about certain issues. Right now, we really know each other's personalities, so you know exactly what you'll fight about next week already. <laughs> Don't you? I mean, you're already, you're like, well, we kind of disagree on this. That'll come up again. <laughs> and, uh, right? And so we're trying to figure out how to work together, and how to listen well, and how to respond together well, and, and um, I'm just telling you, uh, if there was one piece of advice I could give on how to be married well, here's what it is. Ready? Do not use these words. Oh, yeah? Well, you... Dot, dot, dot. Right? When somebody's like, hey, you know, this kind of hurt. This didn't go well. You know, I was thinking, oh, yeah? Well, you were... Well, you did this. Well, when you said... 
right? And so you, what are we doing with that? It's like this perfect little game of ping pong that when it gets really aggressive turns into tennis, that when it gets really aggressive turns into an all-out fight. And like, I send it your way. You did that, right? And they're on the other side, and they're like, and you did that, right? And, and that's a terrible conversation. May we listen well and respond well. And by the way, just so you know, there's a word for that that's called defensiveness. May we not be that with Jesus Christ either, okay? So a little marriage moment. Man, set down the defensiveness. Husbands, lead the way in this. Guys, hear me. You are the head of the house. Lead the way in putting down the defensiveness. She totally cheap-shotted me. Take it, dude. Okay. And all the wives are like, amen. You're going to not sit in there in the 11 o'clock, right? All right. Love you, babe. So uh, I don't know where I was now, so whatever. <laughs> Guys, make sure you do the marriage thing well. I think I was there, right? Do well with that. Honor Christ in it. Remember, he went to the cross for you. And you do not love your wives as she loves you. You love your wives as Christ loved the church. And all of God's men said, Amen. and may we lead well in our homes. And love well in our homes. And hear me now. Now, how do you respond to Christ himself? As he points out what needs to change. There's something in you that needs to be looked at. Holy Spirit pressing in and, oh yeah, well, God, I'm not sure I get the defensiveness, right? How about, Lord, may I hear what you have to say. Teach me what you have to say. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified. Simply, are you pushing back against who Jesus Christ is in your life? It's time to set that down. It's time to respond to him where you hear from him. He is perfect. Those are usually not people you want to argue with. Absolutely has it all together. Listen to what he has to say and receive the challenge. Is it becoming clear what you need to set down? Lord, may this not be held up in front of you. I'm willing to listen to you. Set down the defensiveness, set down the false accusations, the bogus views of Christ. Well, who is this Christ? Glad you asked. Let's keep diving in. Point number two, make sure you hear and understand what Jesus is saying. Make sure you hear and understand what Jesus is saying. He starts out here now in verse 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, just so you know, when Jesus Christ says truly, truly, it simply means this, listen up. It means listen, just turn to the person next to you and say, it means listen up. Dude, it means listen up. Truly, truly. When he repeats that twice over, truly, truly, it means what? And get ready, because it comes up again in this passage. It means listen up. And a truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Jesus is like, I'm telling you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me. I'm telling you there is hope in me. I'm telling you there is authority and power in me. Come to me. Trust in me. Believe on me. In John chapter 6, he said, this is the work of the Father, that you believe in the one he sent. Believe in Jesus Christ. Confidence in him. He is God Almighty. He is absolutely our sacrifice at the cross. And he is risen from the dead. 
Amen. Amen. And that's who Jesus Christ is. He is risen from the dead. Do you believe that? Do you confess him as Lord of your life? You're in charge. Man, make sure you respond to Jesus Christ. He says, those who keep my words, follow what I'm challenging you here with, with believing in me. They will not see death. Never. Uh, in fact, actually, when he said this, the Jews, being absolutely clueless, as usual, we're missing it. And they're like, he means physical death. So like, somehow I do something you're saying, and now I never get old? Now I never die, I never get sick, I never, really? Really, that's what you want to purport? And so know what he says here. The Jews respond to him. Now we know that you have a demon. Right? Proof! And you can just see him looking around at everybody around him, right? At first, they're like, well, are we right in saying that you're one of those half-breed, unclean people we shouldn't be with? That You have a demon? And Jesus is like, zing. And they're like, I told you. What are you supposed to do with that? Never going to die. Come on. The guy's losing it. He clearly has a demon, right? And... Um, in that moment, they go back to accusation. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said, now we know that you have a demon. Here's their proof. Abraham died. Why'd they go to that? That's the father of their nation. Abraham died. He's an awesome guy. Truthfully, he is huge in who we are with God Almighty. And... Uh, and death touched him, and Abraham died, as did the prophets, by the way. As a matter of fact, I can't think of anybody I would say is from God who didn't die. Come on, man. The most godly people die, and you're saying we follow you, and there's no death? And uh, As did the prophets. Yet you say... If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Man, at some level there's a humor in this, and at some level there is a tragedy in this. What is the answer to this question? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Answer. Man, let's answer it bigger than that. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Yes. And you've got to be kidding. Yes! Yes, he is, right? Yes! Yes, he is. Come on. Are you greater than our father Abraham? They're missing who he is. They're so missing it. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Yes. Are you greater than the prophets who died? Answer. Yes. You know he is. Yes. That's where we stand. Jesus Christ, greater than Abraham, greater than the prophets. Then they say the ultimate question. Who do you make yourself out to be? You can't say that sentence without having the most nasty snarl on your face possible. Who do you make yourself out to be? You think you're greater than them? And the answer is, yes. who do you make yourself out to be? Well, he's making himself out to be God Almighty. There is one person bigger and greater than those men. And is it absolute ridiculousness for a man to start calling out their greatness over Abraham or the prophets? Yeah, 
They missed it. He is God himself. Who do you make yourself out to be? Hang on. I'm going to make it really clear, right? And Jesus walks it through. Let's just answer this from a couple other passages first. Who do you make yourself out to be? Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, says this about Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Though he was in the form of God, he's God. Though he's in the form of God, he is God himself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He is fully God. Everybody say, fully God. And yet he took on human likeness, fully man. Everybody say, fully man. And he's both at the same time, fully God, fully man. Everybody say, both. It's not one and then the other. He didn't give up one and then become man and then go back to God and he's back and forth in it. It's fully God all the time and fully man. There's a moment where he humbles himself and he gives up some level of ability into the Father and trusting in him, but he is still fully able himself. He's like, Lord, you let me know when and where and why and how and I do that. Father, I'll respond to you. Until then, I trust in you. And the God the Son humbles himself in that moment. He is fully God. And he is fully man. And you're like, yeah, I can barely comprehend that. Good. Your God is getting big. Right? If we can fully comprehend who God is, God is small. May we be blown away with the greatness of our God. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. And uh, it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Obedient. Humble for you and for me. He died for me. Him for me. Who do you think you are? Well, I am God Almighty and I am come to this earth because I love you and I am here to make a sacrifice for you. That's who I think I am. I love you. And uh, I love this statement. This is Revelation 1, 17 and 18. This is from Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says, Revelation 1, 17 and 18, fear not, I am the first and I am the last and the living one. I died. Everybody say he went to the cross. I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He is risen. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. May we never forget this. Jesus says, get this. I died and I am alive forevermore. I have conquered death. I have conquered sin. I have made the payment. I have it all in hand. In fact, in Revelation 1, he says, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades in my hand. That's who Jesus Christ is. God Almighty, in charge of the universe. Him for me. He went to the cross, and he has risen again. That's who they're back talking to. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. And um, so, a number of years ago, back before World War II, um, there was a great violinist. His name is Fritz Kreisler. And uh, 
He was a a great violinist. He was world-renowned at the time. Remember, that was before TV and all that stuff, right? And so there were certain people who kind of got to the top by their prowess in whatever they did, in this case in music with the violin, and he played the violin unbelievably well. Well, World War II started to break out. He was like, I'm done with this. I'm going to America. So he actually signed up to get on a boat to come over here. He went down to the docks to get onto the boat. And as he was getting ready to go on the boat, the boat was delayed for a while. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to walk around down in the district here and just kind of take in the sights before I leave one last time. And so he's walking around and he's holding his precious violin with him. And he's walking around and saying hello to a few people. And he walks into a couple shops. One of them was a music store. And he walked into the music store. You could just hear the bell kind of ring on the door as he opened it, right? Old school style. Right? He goes in and he's looking around and the, the guy comes up. And they start talking a little bit. And he says, so I see you got a violin there. He's like, yeah, I'm going overseas with the war coming out. I don't want to stay around and taking this with me. And I said, well, why don't you just check it in? (laughs) Not checking this in. He goes, mind if I see it? So he opens up and shows him the violin. The man says, am I allowed to touch this? He said, absolutely. He picks it up, looks at it very carefully, just in awe, sets it back down. He goes, wow, thanks for letting me see that. He steps into the back room. He said, I'll be right back. Goes in the back room, runs out the back door, runs down the street, runs up to a police officer and goes, dude, you got to come with me. I got a guy over here. He stole Fritz Kreisler's violin. You got to get on here with me. Police come down with him. This is a true story. Police come down with him, arrest him for stealing Fritz Kreisler's violin. He's like, it's my violin. I'm Fritz Kreisler. They're like, right, right. That's what Fritz Kreisler's down here in the business district. He's like, I was going to take a boat to the other side. And they're like, right, right. Great story, man. He's like, I'll tell you what. Let me play it. Opens up the violin, pulls it out, and just cuts into some of the latest stuff he's been playing. And their eyes fill up with tears. And they start smiling, and they're like, that was unbelievable. Sorry, Fritz. You may go. And, um, see, all too often, we do the same thing with Jesus Christ, where we accuse him of being so much less than what he is. And we don't grasp what's going on. And throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout the month and sometimes throughout the year, Christ in various ways reveals his greatness. And we have a job to hear it and to get it and to respond to it. And Jesus Christ, he's declaring to you today who he is, God Almighty. Make sure you hear him. Make sure you understand him. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is to be worshipped. And don't let any distraction come between you and him. Don't refuse to hear what he has to say. You're God's Got something awesome to show you about who he is. And all of God's people said, and may we worship him with all we've got. All right, third point. Third point. Place your trust in Jesus as the one and only God in the flesh, the I am. Place your trust in Jesus as the one and only God in the flesh, the I am. One more time, place your trust in Jesus, the one and only God in the flesh, the I am. 
We'll pick it up here. Jesus answered. Remember that word. Word answered, right? So he's had some challenge given to him, and he's responding back now. Who do you make yourself out to be? Here's Jesus' answer. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Why is he saying that? Because the Jews believed firmly at this time. In fact, we see it recorded just earlier in John chapter 8, starting in like verses 12 through 14, that you don't give a testimony for yourself, right? You don't do it for yourself. You have somebody give testimony for you. Two witnesses, in fact. And everybody give the universal sign for two. Two witnesses. That's going to be really important in just a second. Two witnesses make a fact, not a self-proclamation. Boy, that would change a lot of social settings nowadays, wouldn't it? How does Facebook work now? Right? It's all self-proclamation of the greatness of my day. Right? And uh, two witnesses on that bad boy. Right? And uh, enough on Facebook. Okay. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Look, I'm not saying this is self-proclamation. It is my Father who glorifies me. It is my He's like, God the Father himself is glorifying me. There are works being done right in front of you. There are hearts being stirred. There are lives being turned. There are miracles being accomplished. God the Father is making things happen. He is glorifying me. God the Father is glorifying me. And uh, it is my Father who glorifies me. That means makes much of his name, shows him off, lifts him up. Of whom you say, he is our God. So let me get this straight. You guys want some proof? Witness number one. God the Father, my spiritual Father. You know the one you call God himself? He is glorifying me. Have we gotten high enough on the ladder here? Are we good with the whole now? We're getting some good witnesses. God the Father has a statement, and he is glorifying me of whom you say he is our God. Man, they're declaring that they know God, but they are not listening with their ears or with their heart. And they're walking right past God the Son in front of them. Let that settle for just a moment. The God of the universe right in front of you, and we missed it because of our accusations of who he is and who he was. It says, but you have not known him, I know him. But you have not known him, I know him. Now, here's a little detail. I'm not going to go into a lot, but I'm going to give you a little Greek moment here. You have not known him. That's a certain word for the word know. And then he says, but I have known him. It's a different word for the word know. He's like, you have not known him. He uses a word that means like experientially coming to know him more and more. You have in no way experienced God and gotten to know him better at all. Right? That word. But I have, and then he used a word know there that means a fullness of the knowledge of him. It doesn't really translate well in the English. We have one word for the word know. We have to put all these other words with it to try to characterize it. We're like, no, kind of know, sort of not know, but kind of know. Learn to know, like know in an experiential way, but not really. That's how we do it in English. They're like, we have one word. It's this word. It means you're growing along the way in the knowing, and it comes experientially. And then there's a separate word that means to know fully. He's like, you, you're not even having this experiential moment with him. I know him fully, fully. All right. 
It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar. Like, I have to declare I know him fully, and this is the truth. That's where I stand. Now comes the hard two words. What's it say? Like you. Ooh. Not the most politically correct moment here. What's Jesus thinking? And here's what he's thinking. God the Father is moving in this space and he is shaping people towards who Christ is and those who are standing against are in full out resistance of and don't want to hear it. And he's speaking to them and saying, you better watch yourselves. You say you know him when you don't. You say you know what he's about and yet you're missing who I am. Be careful. That makes you a liar. Those two don't go together. Watch yourselves on that position. He's very firm with it. I'm saying I know him. Otherwise, I'd have to be a liar. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Where you know him, there is obedience to him, there is hearing of him, there is following of him. That's what it means to know God, to trust God, to believe in God. I believe God, I just don't do anything he says. Yeah, dude, that's not knowing him. I want to hear what he has to say, and like, please hear me. We do not earn our way to salvation with works, and we do not keep our salvation with works. Works has nothing to do with it. Everybody say nothing to do with it. Nothing. nothing to do with it. And yet, if there's a true belief and a true following, it will bring a heart that's obedient to him. Works, it's an evidence of God working in me. It's not something I do to keep or get salvation. And uh, huge deal is he's like, yeah, I'm with him and I'm doing his works. I'm obeying him. He says, your father Abraham, get ready, here we go now. Witness number two, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. So he's gone to God the Father, spiritual. Now he's going to Father Abraham, physical. He's going to their two fathers, the two fathers of the Israel nation, spiritually and physically. And these are my two witnesses, God the Father and Abraham himself. And Abraham, man, he could not wait for my day. I don't know what that looks like. I just have a picture in my mind of a dude in a robe who looks fairly old doing a dance of some sort. You know what I mean? Where he gets to heaven and he's like, this is what the whole thing's about. And here's who Jesus Christ is and you're coming again. This is going to be unbelievable. And I wondered what some of this was going to be. And all of a sudden he does an Abraham dance that I'm not about to do here. And, he, right? and he's like happy and he's celebrating and he's like, I cannot wait to see you come into this world and end death and end the payment for sin and take it on yourself. I'm in on that plan. I cannot wait. Man, that's Abraham celebrating the day of Jesus Christ. And uh, truly I say to you, this is who Jesus is now. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, which means... That was a really poor uptake. <laughs> Ready? Truly, truly, it means? Listen up. listen up. Big statement being made by Christ here. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. All right. Now let's camp on this statement for a moment. Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham existed, before Abraham was, past tense, everybody say past tense, 
before Abraham was, past tense, I, the appropriate answer would have been was. Before Abraham was, I was. Right? But instead he said, before Abraham was, I am. Why did he say that? Because in Exodus chapter 3, when God revealed himself to Moses, he said, my name is the I am. He's like, you wonder who I declare myself to be? Let me clear it up right now. I am. That is my personal name. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. What does it mean? It means from eternity past to eternity future, I always exist. It means that I don't depend on someone else for my existence, each and every one of us. We depend on him. Without Christ, nothing is sustained. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. We fall apart without him. We need him, but he needs nothing. He is complete in himself, the I am. He is 100% independent, almighty, and love, the I am. Eternity past to eternity future, I am. That's our God. And Jesus is like, before Abraham was, I am. Personal name of God chosen. Now, how did they take that message? So they picked up stones to throw at him. Well, that went well. And what's up with that? When someone commits heresy against God himself, you are supposed to stone him and kill him. This was a moment where they clearly grasped that he had just declared himself to be God. And they picked up stones to say, oh, no, you didn't. Nobody stands in our presence and says, I am God and lives. You will die. They picked up stones to stone him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. How did that work? We don't know. In this magic moment where he's in front of everybody and he's like the major center of attention, he makes the statement, before Abraham was, I am. Rumble starts going across the crowd. People start stooping down and picking things up. And they look back up and he's gone. And uh, we don't know what happened. We just know that Jesus, whether through miracle or them being really poor watchers, has now escaped out. May we grasp this. When they challenged Jesus on who he was, he said who he was. He is God himself. And all of God's people said, when Jesus Christ was asked to reveal himself, he revealed himself as the one who is from eternity past to eternity future, the I am. Everybody just say, the great I am. The great I am, man. The great I am. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come on up and get set. I'm changing gears a little bit. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and get set right now. And while they're coming up to get set, we're going to do something here together. All right? I've got some phrases. And we're going to say these phrases out loud. We're going to make much of our king. We're going to celebrate him. We're going to walk through these in a huge, huge way, all right? But here's the deal, and uh, we're going to close this service with a huge bang. So as we walk through these, we're going to say them back to back. I'll tell you how in just a moment. And when we get done with that, we're going to go into a song, and we're going to sing and worship him with all we've got. 
as just bring it, man. If there's moments in the song where you want to cheer out for him, you do that. But hear me, as the song comes to a close, as the band begins to just lift up the music at the end, our job is one-fold. Lift this roof off. This roof comes off, off, off for Jesus Christ. That means huge applause, huge celebration, cheering out for him, whatever it is he's done for you. You're my savior. Whatever it is that you're crying out, you make much of his name. Hear me, at the end of the song, right? Don't lose track where we are. So we're gonna walk through these quotes and then we're gonna go into just an awesome song of celebration and then we are going to lift his name up. He is the great I am. And all of God's people said, so you have a job. Get ready. Your job is to say, the great I am. Say it out loud. 309, bring it loud. Bring it with us. Are you ready? Our job is to say what? The great I am. After each phrase I say, you say, here we go. Jesus, he is God of all. Jesus, he is creator of all. Jesus, he is sustainer of all. Jesus, he is head of all. Jesus, he is savior of all. He is alpha and omega. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus, he went to the cross. Jesus, he died in humility. Jesus, he rose in glory. Jesus, he covered my sin. Jesus, he conquered death. He is alive right now. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is more powerful than all else. His name is Jesus Christ. That is who we worship. Jesus Christ, he is the great I am. Amen.